This episode is brought to you by Goalie. Did you know the University of Michigan did a study that found over 80% of apps for kids are designed to lure them into longer gameplay and more in-app purchases? Goalie decided it was time for this to end. Unlike the Kindle and iPad that have endless ads and potentially dangerous content, Goalie is a tablet with only apps that build independent kids. It has no web browser, no social media, and no ads, ever. It has award-winning learning apps like Khan Academy, Duolingo ABC, and Starfall, and the best part? It's completely parent-controlled. In my house, we use Goalie's kids' calendar to teach my son how to stay on task. He learns life skills like how to make a sandwich by watching one of the hundreds of video classes and can practice it by following along with one of the 50 pre-made routines. As a dad, there's no better feeling than knowing that my son is becoming more independent every day. For more information and to try Goalie risk-free for 30 days, visit getgoalie.com. That's G-E-T-G-O-A-L-L-Y.com and use the code THEAUTISMDAD to save 10%. Welcome to the Autism Dad Podcast. I'm Rob Gorski. As a single dad to three amazing autistic kids, I've been the go-to resource for parents across the globe navigating neurodivergence since 2010. Building on the success of my award-winning blog, The Autism Dad, this podcast provides parents raising autistic or neurodivergent kids with comfort, community, resources, support, and validation. You'll also hear inspiring stories from parents just like you, reminding you that you're not alone. So don't miss out. New episodes drop every Monday and Wednesday. Subscribe on your favorite podcast listening app and visit theautismdad.com for more information. On this week's episode of the Autism Dad podcast, I sat down with my friend Jillian Benfield and we had a really we had a really good conversation about a couple of things. One, uh, we talk about her book, The Gift of the Unexpected, and and we also talk about her life as a mom raising a child with Down syndrome. And and while that that journey may be different than yours and it's different than mine, but there is so much that we can learn from each other, even if our experiences are different. You know, our, our paths aren't always going to cross. You know, our journeys aren't going to always be the same, but there are still insights and, and things that we can gain by just being open to what someone else has experienced and, and learning, learning from what they have to share, you know, and, and this is a great example of that. So, you know, I, I really... I'm so grateful that you guys took the time to tune in today because this is such a good conversation. I hope you guys enjoy the interview. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show. I really uh, appreciate it. I've been looking forward to this. Um, could you take a second and just sort of introduce yourself and, and tell us a little bit about like who you are and what your like your parenting journey has been? Yeah. So my name is Jillian Benfield. I am the wife of Andy. I'm the mom of three kids. Um, our middle son surprised us uh, at our 20-week ultrasound when we found out that he was going to be born with Down syndrome. Um, so that's kind of the what started me on a path. Uh, I was a TV journalist. Um, I was a TV news anchor and reporter for five years, and I thought I was going to go back to TV news. Um, and then we got this diagnosis and through my husband's military career, we moved and it, I just, life just took a wide left turn at that point in 2014. And then I started writing on the internet and now I have a book called the gift of the unexpected. And, um, I consider myself to be, I write in the faith world and I also write in the disability world, um, Disability inclusion is a big, uh, is really important mm. to me. And so uh, part of my writing includes a sliver of advocacy. 
Um, uh, but mostly I, I hope that my writing is um, just brings more of a comfort to parents um, and that they feel seen in their road that looks so different probably from a lot of their friends. You, you know, that's, it's so funny that you said that it, and like funny in a good way. Cause like I was, I was talking on a, uh, a Facebook live this morning and one of the things that I think in, in my experience is in the autism world, right? So like autism, ADHD, like that kind of stuff is kind of my wheelhouse. It's, that, that's the only experience I have because all three of my kids are autistic. So, um, and you know, when, when, when kids are diagnosed with whatever and parents get that diagnosis in, in the autism world, you get like a sheet of paper and it's got like, here's, you know, OTPT speech, whatever. And then you're kind of pushed out the door and that's it. Right. And parents, parents get this, um, they, they feel like what happened on that day is going to be that way for the rest of their child's life. And they, they sometimes go into it without hope or without knowing another person who understands or who has been there or, or who can tell them like, you know what, it's going to be okay. Mm. Like you're, you're going to be okay. Like you're going to find your, get your footing, do what you got to do to kind of like grieve in the moment if that's what you need to do, but you got to pick up and, and move forward, build your village, do all that kind of stuff. And, and we don't, we don't do that. Like there's no, uh, emotional support for parents in those early moments that can sort of help to shape that journey going forward and maybe get them off on a better foot or, uh, whatever. So I, I, I really like I like your approach. Thank uh, you. Thank you for that. I, um, my diagnosis story, you know, the doctor said to us, he said, well, it's not good news. Your child has a 99.9% chance of having down syndrome. And it's normally at times like these people want to talk about their options. And I said, what options? And he said, uh, option one is terminate pregnancy. Option two is you continue the pregnancy with a high risk doctor, but don't worry. Don't worry. You don't have to be a hero. If you decide not to go through with the termination, you can have the baby here and we can keep him comfortable, but we don't have to do anything drastic to save his life. So in other words, we could have the baby to keep our consciences clean, but we could let him die of natural causes. Um, and so he really led me to believe that my son would not have a life worth living. And so I really started to grieve as if a death had taken place. Um, and that what you're talking about is like those, those initial moments are just, they feel so isolating and you know that there's somebody out there that has a story similar to you, but maybe you don't know anyone directly. Right. Mm -hmm. And it just can feel like you are on an Island. Um, and so I hope that sharing my story and sharing um, what I have learned through this process uh, can help people, whether they're in those initial phases or just going through a really hard phase um, that comes with raising children with disabilities in a world that is inaccessible, um, that it just makes people feel a little less alone. That's, yeah, I, you know, I, I, <laughs> I wish more people approached this, this community, this life, right? Right. Like we, when, when we, when we set out to be parents or when we find out we're going to be parents, like there's that, that thought isn't always there that, well, maybe this isn't going to go as planned or maybe like 
there's going to be detours or we're going to get off on a whole nother like stop altogether that we weren't planning on uh, doing. And it's, it's when you, when you can see someone else going through that same thing or, or read a book or, you know, watch videos on social media or, or read what they've written about their journey. It's not as scary, you know, because it's, it's, you're not forging this path that no one's been down. It's okay. Well, you know, she's done it and he's done it and they've done it and they look like they're okay. You know? And it's like, it's not like this death sentence or this, uh, you know, it's not always that, that catastrophic world ending kind of thing that it might feel like in that moment. Yeah. I, um, in the book, there is this metaphor that I use. So Anderson and I, or sorry, when we got Anderson's diagnosis, we lived mm -hmm. in New Mexico and, okay. uh, it was, <laughs> it was kind of like the unexpected on top of the unexpected because, um, it, we got stationed in this like nothing town. Um, and so we were, we had just moved there. We knew nobody and there was nothing to do, but there was white sands national monument and mm -hmm. which is absolutely beautiful. And to what you're talking about, um, what I say to people is like, if you just look at the white sands, it it's, it looks like a beautiful site, but it doesn't tell the whole story. If you dig a little deeper, what you'll realize why those sands are there is because that whole area was covered by a lake and the lake dried up and it left behind these gypsum deposits. And through the wind and the rain and all the forces of nature that be, it broke down that gypsum that was left behind and mm -hmm. created something beautiful. And the reason I say that is because I think when the unexpected happens, we can long for what was before. And the truth is, is that our lives are never going to be quite the same as they were before, right? And like mm -hmm. in nature, you know, that land is never going to be the same, right? But I do think that our lives can transform under the pressure of the unexpected and turn into something beautiful if we allow it. If we are willing to just succumb to that pressure and go along, yeah. go through it, go all the way through it and not try to go around it, not try to skip over it, but see what it has to teach us. I think that um, we can end up with a life that is different from what we once had, but it can still have so much beauty and perhaps even more beauty um, than it did before. I totally agree with you. You know, like in, in my life, there's been a lot of unexpected things, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and and some of them, especially lately, have have been the most amazing moments in my life, the most mm. amazing circumstances to come out of difficult times, you know, and we just, you got to keep, you got to keep moving mm -hmm. and, and keep moving forward and find your strength and find your focus and get back up and, and just, you know, do what you got to do. Mm -hmm. Um, you have a huge online presence too. Like what has that journey been for you? I, I would imagine it's like a mixed bag Yeah. to, yeah. to be nice about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, um, so I actually, I did just cross over finally. Um, and I say finally, because I have had author friends who have far surpassed me in this number. Okay. So I finally just hit a hundred thousand followers on Facebook and I it, saw that congratulations. And you're like climbing you. way past it. You're like 
106 or something. I now. had something go viral. It doesn't make sense. It's an old piece. Who knows? I, I don't understand the algorithm. It is what it is. But the reason I say that is it took um, almost nine years to get there versus I had all these friends who, you know, hit it way before me. But all that to say is that it has been brutal. Mm, um, yep. and it has also been beautiful. Uh, the brutal pieces are, you know, the times where I've made mistakes, I've overshared, um, I have said things I regret. Um, I was learning uh, as I was going. Um, and, you know, hopefully I'll do better moving forward. Um, the brutal parts are when you just have people who are just ugly, you know. However, oh, yeah. I will say, by and large, it has been a place of um, that gives me purpose um, and that I hope when people come into my little space of the internet that um, they feel like a recharge uh, going forward um, or mm -hmm. maybe can see things in a different light than maybe that they are. Or if, you know, we all get in these places. I do too, where you just get stuck. Um, yeah. you get stuck in your kid's diagnosis and like your, your life looks nothing like your friend down the street. And the, the, you just have so much more that nobody, that very few people understand. Yep. Um, and I just hope that people can feel seen and also see like, you know, we weren't promised a perfect life. We really weren't, um, life's not meant to be easy. Um, but even when we have these extra layers, it, it can still hold so much beauty. And so I, I think this corner of the internet has um, given beauty to my life and I hope to others too. Do you, do you find it to be like therapeutic in a way? Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm a little embarrassed to admit I've never been to therapy uh, before. <laughs> I probably shouldn't admit that, but whatever. Um, well, I, I mean... <laughs> I, I, I say that because we've been through a lot, not just with our yeah. son's diagnosis, but, um, our, our youngest son's diagnosis too. And I ended up having PTSD, um, from mm -hmm. medical things that he went through. And, um, but back then there wasn't the online therapy and stuff that there was. And I, you know, I was the only sole caregiver. My husband was in residency therapy yeah. just wasn't accessible to me. Um, so I, I, do, I say this lightly because I'm not saying that you should take up writing in place of therapy. But for me, it was this place that was therapeutic for me, that I was able to really process my circumstances in the light of my faith, um, in the light of this new life that I was living. And mm -hmm. um, it, it has been transformative for me as well. I, I found that... Once I got over the shock that people were reading the things that I was <laughs> writing, right? Because like you don't, I didn't. It was like a it was like a private journal for me, so it was not. I didn't feel like it was fit for public consumption, <laughs> right? I mean, it wasn't like bad stuff, but it's just all the stuff that you think and feel and don't, you know, ever share with people. Um, but what I was able to do was write what I was experiencing, and then leave it there, and then walk away from it and not carry it with me. So I, I wasn't like, um, I always envisioned it like those, those shorebirds you see, uh, at the ocean where they get these like balls of salt or whatever that collect around their, their legs and it ends up weighing them down over time. Yeah. That's what it kind of felt like for me mm. and being able to, to write it, helped me process it. 
and then let it go. Yeah. And I think too, uh, I, I think their journaling is great. Um, I think writing in a public space where you're able to process it alongside others, um, yeah. does kind of, I don't know, it at this community element can really be even further healing, I think. So, mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And, and, and like, a, you know, like you mentioned about like people getting stuck in the diagnosis. Uh, I, I did, um, I was talking to somebody not too long ago in an interview and, and we were talking about that grieving process and there's like some stigma around that grieving process. I think like, like people feel like par- some, some parents feel like you shouldn't grieve because whatever, but like, I feel like we're all human and we're going to process things in whatever way we have to. We just mm-hmm. don't want to get stuck in any one place. Yeah. And what she pointed out was that like the grief, what she thought was the grieving process for her was not about grieving that her son was diagnosed. It was having to learn that she was the one who needed to change and not him. Yeah. And so like we're adults, we're resistant to change and we're wanting to help our kids change to better. Like we want them say change, but I'm using that term loosely, but like we want them to do like to be whatever they need to be in order to survive in the world and be safe and happy and and exist and, and do all the things that, that they want to do with their life. And, and in reality, it's, it's like, they're not going to change. They're going to be exactly who they are and they should be, but we have to change, Mm -hmm. uh, what we're doing and what our expectations are and, and what we see, you know, in, in the future. And that's, I think, I, I think if you, once you realize that, that it's, it's a very freeing kind of a liberating and, and I think, well, that's, that, that was her story of acceptance. Like when she mm-hmm. came to accept everything and then embrace it and move forward was, was that recognition. Mm-hmm. Um, when you heard about the diagnosis, even early on, so like you had time to prepare mm-hmm. for that. What was like, what was that journey for you? Like how, how did you prepare or like, what did you do to better understand or, or navigate all of that? a lot of different things, you know, it Mm -hmm. was connecting with other parents, uh, for sure. That was a piece of it. But for me, I had to really inspect my grief. You know, why is it that I am grieving so hard? And Mm -hmm. I, I think what I came to the conclusion to over time, I don't even know if it was completely realized before Anderson was born, but it was, my grief was so thick because my worth as an individual was attached to my resume. So if I thought um, the only way to live a worthy life was to live a quote unquote successful life in the eyes of the world, then how would my son with Down syndrome ever achieve success and therefore worth? So this was a big part of my process was realizing that our worth is not something that can be earned that I had a very um, bad outlook of myself (laughs) and a bad outlook of what makes us worthy as individuals. And I had to really deconstruct that um, in order to uh, accept my, my son's identity. Um, And really like down syndrome is like, I wanted to think that it was a part of who he is, but for me, it is 
more than that. Uh, there is no Anderson without Down syndrome. Mm -hmm. And once I, I was able to accept his identity first, mine came a little bit later, but that was the process for me was really untangling these bad ideas I had about what makes a successful life and a worthy life. That, you know, that is really, that's really interesting because I, I think as a society, we, we place a lot of emphasis and we define success monetarily or with positions of power or authority. And when you were able to sort of redefine what success was and what that meant in like, that would have to be a very profound thing to experience. It was. And I think that for me, I, and I, again, this was not like, it wasn't like an aha moment. It was a collection of what I call going through the process of undergoing. Mm -hmm. Um, and so just to unpack that a little bit. So, um, I say that society really wants us to overcome the unexpected. Um, and if you Google image overcome, you're going to see people standing atop mountains with their arms stretched overhead. But yep. what I think when the unexpected comes for our lives, that we really have to undergo it. And if you uh, Google image search that you're going to find people about to undergo surgery. And that is what undergoing is. Um, it is admitting that there's a problem, seeking out help, digging into the deep, dark places and confronting mm -hmm. the pain and taking it apart bit by bit and then pursuing healing afterwards. And so I came to this conclusion through the process of undergoing. And um, I finally realized through that process that my view of success was just so skewed. And I wasn't alone in that, you know, that this is, that's why the termination rate is um, so high for Down syndrome, right? Because we, it, it's because that we view their lives as not as worthy because they can't maybe live the successful lives that we prioritize. Um, mm -hmm. But I finally came to the conclusion that just because he has a different life, a different life does not mean he will have a less than life. And just because my life is different because of him, that does not mean we as a family are living a less than life either. I, I really like that. That's, that is, uh, that's, that's really, that's really cool. You know, I, I think one of the things that I've learned because my, my oldest is 23 and he's like transitioning into his adult life. Right. And so he's, he's cognitively impaired and there, there are some challenges that he's going to need help with for the rest of his life. Mm -hmm. And would I be happy living the life that he is? I probably not. And so sometimes like I felt like really, I felt really bad because I, I assumed that because I wouldn't be happy. I, mm -hmm. I didn't think I would be happy living with what he has to, to live with mm -hmm. that he can't be happy with that. Mm -hmm. Well, he's like the happiest person yeah. I've ever met. Yeah. It just, just, I mean, nothing gets him. He gets frustrated, whatever, but like he loves life mm -hmm. and he is positive and he will do anything for anyone. And he's happy with every little thing. And he never complains. I mean, this kid has almost died half a dozen times. He has had to undergo so many medical procedures mm -hmm. that were uh, just painful and awful and medically necessary to keep him alive at the time and, and 
whatever and, and medications, all that stuff. And he never complains, mm. never complains. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I would be frustrated and I would complain, mm -hmm. right? Like, and it's like how <laughs> it's, uh, I just, it, it's happiness is defined by the person who is experiencing mm. it. Well said. And you, you know, assuming that you're, you know, a, a child with Down syndrome is never going to live a meaningful, happy life. Mm -hmm. Maybe by your standard, it is it, like a, an adult who doesn't understand, Sure. but they may live the happiest life. Like they, they will go through their life and they will be happy every single day. They will be someone who smiles at everybody who, you know, is, is the, is kind of the light of everybody's life and brings joy and, and happiness and everything to so many people and makes them happy. And, and it doesn't have to make sense to us if they're happy, then what else matters? Like it, it really doesn't. Right. I mean, cause the ultimate thing is we want our kids to be happy and healthy yeah, and loved and safe and, and everything. And that's it. That's all that matters. Yeah. Yeah. I said, um, there's this part in the book where, um, my husband said to me shortly after Anderson was born, he just started crying out of nowhere and just said, I, I want him to love someone the way that I love you. And, Ugh. uh, it was just, Oh gosh, it was just devastating. But, um, you know, again, through that process of undergoing, I realized like, just because my marriage makes me really happy, doesn't mean that Anderson has to be married in order to be really happy. Um, and maybe he will get married one day. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not going to place limits on him, but if he doesn't, that doesn't mean that um, his happiness is less or that his life is less. Or yeah. Or that, or that it's, it's any less amazing Yeah, or that it's any less meaningful or purposeful. Like I, uh, and, and you made a comment just now that I wanted to, to build upon because you, know, you don't want to place limits on him. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. When my youngest was, was younger, uh, he, we were told he was nonverbal. He never spoke until he was about four years old. Um, no communication skills, very aggressive. Um, he was, they believed that he was deaf because he failed all of his hearing screenings, didn't respond to any type of like, um, verbal prompt. You couldn't startle him with noise or anything like that. And, you know, I, I, I kind of bought into it because you're told by everybody that this is the way that it is. Yeah. And I, and I kind of, I was tired and overwhelmed and I didn't know any better and I bought into it. Mm. And so, uh, you know, shortly after his fourth birthday, he started talking like he'd been talking his whole life. Mm -hmm. You know, we mm -hmm. found out that he could hear, he was just tuning the world out Yeah, and was on his own time frame. And, and I guess the, like the point is that like we, our kids will always amaze us. They will always surprise us. They will always do amazing things, but we have to be open to what those amazing things are, right? They might not be, mm -hmm. you know, valedictorian of the school or captain of the football team or, you know, whatever people place value on. Mm -hmm. It may be getting a job, mm -hmm. you know, that, that makes them happy. Mm -hmm. it, 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 it's, it's, it's about what they can do with their lives when we love and support and believe in them. Yeah. And, I, I was guilty, I think, of parenting the diagnosis for a long time when they were younger mm. because I just didn't I didn't know any better. And uh, I realized, you know, that, well, you know, 
whether it's Down syndrome or autism or whatever, they're still kids, mm-hmm. right? They still need all the same things that kids need. They still have all the same dreams and, and, and want all those same things. Right. And, and, uh, I think a lot of us get, get stuck in that. And I, I just really not placing limits on our kids, especially at that early of an age mm-hmm. is it just opens so many doors, mm-hmm. you know? This episode is brought to you by Mightier. Mightier is a biofeedback-based video game platform that teaches kids to emotionally self-regulate. This leads to a significant reduction in meltdowns and parental stress. It's backed by science out of Harvard Medical and Boston Children's and has helped over 100,000 kids. For more information, visit theautismdad.com forward slash mightier. That's theautismdad.com forward slash M-I-G-H-T-I-E-R and use the code theautismdad22 to save 10%. Yeah. I mean, people are, I had this encounter at church recently where this woman was all excited to meet me because, um, she works in the disability world and and wanted Mm -hmm. to make sure that I, you know, have you done this? Have you done this? And I have done those things. And I was like, yeah. And and we have him in an inclusive classroom because, you know, we, we want him to, um, go as high in education as he can go. And we want Mm -hmm. him to function in the world, the, you know, the best he can. And, and she was like, well, you know, it's, it's important to uh, keep realistic expectations. <laughs> right. Right. And it was like, she wanted to make sure that we had all these things, but don't, don't dream too big, you know? Um, <sighs> and I just, you know, our kids are just always going to experience that from other people. And it, it is a struggle sometimes for me too. Sometimes when I see Anderson's limitations, it's, it's hard for me to keep those high expectations. Um, but I do try to keep the expectations high because it's hard to get other people to do so. Well, and, and whether they have a diagnosis or not, no one knows what their kids are going to do. Right. You know, no one knows what their kids are capable of. And if we just, and it, but it, it is, it is tough, I think, because the world is not always a kind place mm-hmm. for our kids and, and trying to navigate that is not easy. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just, it isn't. It's and, um, no, and uh, I, I don't ever want to be a space where I like, I see these, um, different disability pages and stuff where everything's sunshine and roses, you know, and, and that's just not the reality. Yep. And that's nobody's reality. Um, whether you have a kid with a disability or not, there is what I say is, um, I don't think that parenting kids with disabilities is better, uh, nor is it worse. Um, but it is more, there's more layers of complexity that come with parenting children with disabilities. That's a really, that's a really good way to explain it. And that's what I've always said. Like, it's like parenting is hard period, Mm -hmm. but when you're parenting a child with additional needs or a disability, like it's, there's so many more layers to it that, that just sort of interweave. And then you have to think 10 steps ahead and, and, Mm -hmm. and you, you just have to have this like constant state of alert yeah. that is just exhausting. And then you have to try and predict the unexpected things yes. so that you can manage it and prevent it and, and level the playing field. And you have to fight for everything that your kid mm, needs. Everything. And, and that's not something that most parents have to deal with. Yeah. Yeah. You know, 
so there, there, I think that's where some of the disconnect. Yeah, there is a disconnect. I remember having, I ended up just blocking this follower. I, I pass out the block candy, like it's, uh, oh, the block button, like it's candy, by the way. Yeah, I, I feed the beast all yeah, the time. I just I added just, some I, people today. I, I just don't, I don't engage. Um, But this one woman who I had tried to engage with, like, because all of her comments were like, but this could be said of any parent. And I'm like, you know what? Oh, yeah. I am typically developing kids too. And no, I can't. <laughs> It's just different. I don't have to take advocacy courses to learn about my other kids' rights. Um, That is necessary when you have a child with a disability in some way, shape, or form. You've got to learn the systems that you have to navigate for them. That's just one layer of it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And and why are people so threatened by that? Yes. (laughs) I don't. I don't. I don't understand that. Like I had, I had someone. I fed the block list this morning. (laughs) And it's been a little while since I've had to do that, but I, I posted something and it had special needs in it mm-hmm. somewhere. And I, I can't remember exactly what and it, it, it had showed up on something I posted a while ago. And, you know, this person made the comment that they're not special needs, they're human needs. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, like I, I, I get it. But like, if I said it another way, then someone else is going to be offended, yeah. right? There's, there's no... I don't mean anything disrespectful by it. I think my kids are special. I think they'd be special if they had no diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Like they're amazing. And uh, everybody has unique needs. Like I have needs that are different than yours and different than someone else's. I mean, we're all different and we all need different things. And I think it helps. I think it's more about describing the parenting experience than it is the person. Yeah. Because it's not only the kids that need that additional help. It's the parents too. Like Mm -hmm. we need that understanding and we need that support and we need special, um, you know, accommodations sometimes to just navigate everyday life. Mm -hmm. Cause like you can't even just go to the grocery store or pick up and what you can't even, I mean, like I I had my youngest who does really well now, but like I had to take him to get his haircut today. Cause you were talking about haircuts. (laughs) He got his haircut today. He went in all by himself, paid for it with my credit card, did everything, did a great job. Uh, but it took him like 45 minutes to put his shoes and socks on <laughs> because ADHD one, cause he keeps getting distracted and be like the sensory stuff, right? Like it's just not, it's not that easy. Like there's just all of these challenges that are, that are normal, like normal for us now, but like make life more challenging. Yeah. And I, I think I just, um, need people in my life. And I think, um, everyone probably listening to this podcast, just need people in your life that even though they can't fully understand your experience, that they are validating of the more that comes with your parenting experience. Yeah. I, um, I was at a conference this a couple months ago and I met, uh, Tara Reynolds and Lauren Flack. Uh, Tara has peace, love and autism. And, uh, Lauren has, uh, the Channing's Joy Foundation. They both are uh, autism moms. And they they met each other through Instagram. And you'd think they're sisters, but or they've known each other forever. But but one of the ways that they have helped each other was that like one can send the other a message about something that just happened. And there's no need to explain it. Mm-hmm. There's no need to, you know, she's the other one's not going to try and fix it. Mm-hmm. It's just like, that sucks. I've been there. I, I hate that that happened to you. I'm really sorry. Like, mm-hmm. And, and that's so important, mm-hmm. I think, because w- sometimes we just want people to understand without having to explain, Yeah, you know, like you were talking about the haircut and, uh, y- you know, like delays and starting to sing or whatever. And it's like, 
I, I like my one of my kids is standing outside my door right now, ignoring the fact that I said I'm recording until, you know, <laughs> and 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 it's like it just is what it is. Like I, I don't I don't feel like I have to explain that to you because mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we may have the same thing on your end, and it just we just like it just we get it. It's like normal for us. It's everyday life. I put um, in the book that there is a, what did I call it? There is a communion of the unseen. There's a place where we meet as parents of kids with disabilities. And it's at the intersection of transformed and the unexpected. Um, And that's the place where we meet. And it's when we meet at this place, when we're willing to meet others at this place, other parents, mm-hmm. other people who have, you know, we can bring our full selves to them. You know, we can, like you're saying, like we can send a text being like, I, I had to call five different specialists today um, to try to get what my son needs. And they'll be like, oh, I'm sorry, I get it because they've been there too. And it's a place where you can just bring your total honesty to and you know, I say that lightly because I know not everybody has that community, but I do think there is a power in the internet, at least where we can yep. have this, you know, community of the unseen. Um, and um, hopefully we have a couple people in our lives that we can bring, bring it all to. I really like that community of the unseen. That's, uh, that's really cool. I do like that. Um, so let's, let's just talk uh, for a couple minutes about your book. What, like, how did all of that happen? Cause like, I, like I've, I've been asked to write a book a few times and the idea of even thinking about doing that has been like, uh, I don't even know how I'm going to like survive the next five minutes. How, how do you even think about doing that? And you did it and you did a really good job. How, like, what was that like for you? Uh, well, I, I didn't start writing on the internet with that goal. Um, but it was after having my third child, the one who I mentioned had all of the medical issues. Um, mm-hmm. and I just remember listening to, what? Hey, bud. Uh, what you got yourself ice cream. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. Go ahead. Have it. Ooh, now I want ice cream. <laughs> I heard something <laughs> going on in there. I'm just going <laughs> to let it go. Um, I, I used to remove all, like when my kids would do this, I would just, I would cut all that stuff out. But like parents appreciate those real life things because that's exactly every, every time it's just, well, I had one kid dancing across the room talking about gummy bears. Like, and, and it was just, it's like, you know what? Like it's so relatable. It's so real life. Well, and it's so I'm kind of authentic. proud of him because he got himself a bowl um, and a spoon and the ice cream. He got what he wanted out. And he and was it of, like a bowl, like huge. It is. It is huge. <laughs> it's humongous. <laughs> Um, and, um, he's, and he told on himself too. (laughs) Well, you know, it's like better to ask forgiveness and permission, right? That's that's exactly what it was. Way to go, man. But back to the, the process. Um, I, for me, I, I, again, I didn't start doing this on purpose, um, Mm -hmm. with that in mind, but it was after having my third child with all of the issues that he had. And that was, that was probably the most difficult time my life was with him. And then Anderson mm-hmm. had medical issues on top of it. So we had three kids, four and under, um, and two of whom were medically complex. And I think we saw 18 specialists at the time. Um, wow. And it was during that time where I watched this sermon and it was about um, living into the will of your life. 
And I thought, you know, if I really look at my life five, 10 years out, what do I want it to be? And I realized that I wanted to write books and speak sometimes, not a lot, just sometimes. And I realized that if I wanted that to be my life in five and 10 years, that I had to start approaching that goal. And so um, we were thankful, you know, we never have had family support because of the military, but we did get 40 hours of respite care through the military. And I would use 36 of those a month um, to go to Starbucks and write a book. Um, and I would, uh, instead of using my gym membership to work out, I would write in the little YMCA, you know, on the Formica table next to the coffee pot, you know, where I talked to, you know, people would stop and ask me what I was doing. Then I had to explain it, you know, and that was, that was my life for, um, about a year. And yeah. And, uh, I just, I just knew I had to go for it. Um, and so then I found an agent and we pitched to publishers and uh, it got denied by all 10 of the big major Christian publishers. Um, and I tell that uh, to you um, and to anyone out there who's trying to pursue something that's a little bit different, you know, that's uh-huh. it's a little bit different from just applying to a job. Um, right. I faced big rejection and it was hard uh, because I had spent a year and a half, basically, um, not being paid, um, and just going after this goal. And, um, but then took their advice, what they wanted to see. And, uh, I think four to six months later came back with a new proposal. Um, and it was, I would say probably 70% of that original book ended up making it into this book. Um, so -hmm. that was good. Um, but that, that's how it came about was, um, a round of rejections and, and then finally an acceptance and yeah. So what, how did you come up with the title? Because I know you you sort of, there's a lot of focus on the unexpected. Yeah. And was that, well, can you just kind of tell me about that a little bit? Actually, my agent came up with the title because it was a line in the introduction that I wrote. And she said, this is just sticking out to me. I think that my original title was something like off script. Um, and mm. she was like, I just, she's like, this line is just really resonating. And the publisher agreed. And that, that just ended up being the title. But the reason it's called the gift of the unexpected is because I do believe that no matter what, like, even if your unexpected circumstance is not a gift, okay, there, there are unexpected circumstances that are not a gift. Um, There are things that happen in our lives that are just tragic. I don't classify anything that happened to my youngest son as good. Um, But there can be a gift in our unexpected circumstances. And that's Mm -hmm. that we can change through them. And that through the unexpected, we can try. The unexpected is one of the major pathways to transformation. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Father Richard Rohr. Um, I love him. And he says there are two great paths to transformation and one is great love and one is great suffering. And I have experienced both of those uh, through my Mm -hmm. son with Down syndrome. And I think that probably um, many of the people listening to this podcast have experienced those too. You know, there's this Mm -hmm. suffering that comes alongside this great love of your child with a disability for various reasons. Um, And um so there, there can be a gift in the unexpected and that's that we can become the best version of ourselves through it. Wow. That's, I was going to ask you, um, if you had 
like advice for parents, whether whether it's you know uh, a Down syndrome diagnosis or an autism diagnosis, just parents who are going through that process. And, and I was going to ask you what kind of advice you would have for them. And I feel like what you just said <laughs> was really, uh, it's very profound. It, it's, and I, and I think like, I don't know that everybody would approach it that way or, or be in a place where they can recognize it mm -hmm. that way, I guess. Mm -hmm. But I think hearing that and and learning from your process and your story can help people to maybe jumpstart that process for themselves, like, mm -hmm. like reframe things in, in a little bit of a way that helps you to kind of unstick yourself if you're stuck, Yeah, you know, and, and find a, a better path. Yeah. I think, you know, if you're in a, a rut where you cannot find anything good out of the diagnosis, I think that through that process of undergoing that we talked about earlier, maybe mm -hmm. see why that is, you know, and I'm not going to tell you that every, I love everything about my son's Down syndrome and ADHD diagnoses. It, there is some things that it just makes life more challenging um, and can be mm -hmm. frustrating. And um, I, I'm not trying to, to paint this with roses, um, but um, through those challenges, I have come to, um, be more empathetic. Um, I've come to, mm. um, understand who I am and who I am not. Um, and I, I have also come to accept no matter if you think your child's diagnosis happened on purpose or not, we do have to accept their diagnosis as who, as a major part of their identity. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think once we're, we get to that point, like this is who they are and it's what makes them who they are. Um, I think that our identity can kind of change alongside them and in a good way. As parents, I think a lot of times we assume that we're teaching our kids, right? And we are, a lot of times we are teaching our kids, we're teaching our kids every day. But what I think we don't always recognize is how much our kids are teaching us mm -hmm. and how much who they are impacts us and sort of shapes us to be mm -hmm. who we need to be, to just be better at life. Like I'm a better person because of my kids. Mm -hmm. And like, I wasn't a bad person before. Well, I don't think I was a bad person before, <laughs> but I mean, I, like I'm biased probably, but like, um, I, I appreciate life so much mm. more. I appreciate mm -hmm. the little things. I pay attention to things that I wouldn't have otherwise. And I'm, grateful for things that I would have probably just sort of glossed over yeah. before. Yeah. And it's because of who they are and, and what they've shown me over the last 20 years. And, uh, I think, I mean, that is definitely, that's definitely a positive thing yeah. to come from this. I said, um, there's a quote in the book that says Anderson was not sent here to teach me something, but nevertheless, he has been my greatest teacher. And, yeah. um, I think that if you're listening to this podcast, that we can learn so much from our kids, um, mm -hmm. and we can learn to hopefully become the best version of ourselves. How, how can people connect with you and where can they find your book? Yeah. Um, so you can connect with me on my website, which is jillianbenfield.com. And I've got... Mm -hmm. Three free ebooks on there, two of which are for parents of kids with disabilities specifically. 
Um, one okay. is a, more of a faith-based and one is like the nuts and bolts of advocacy. Like it's like disability advocacy mm-hmm. 101. Um, okay. That's on my website, JillianBenfield.com. I'm on Facebook at Jillian Benfield and Instagram at Jillian Benfield blog. And my book is called The Gift of the Unexpected and it's available on Amazon and Target and um, it is always 30% off at Baker Books. Okay. All right. Um, I will I will make sure all of that uh, stuff is in the show notes so people can connect and we'll, we'll add, you know, to that number. And, uh, you know, they can they can connect and read the book and, and everything else. I, I, I really appreciate your time. And like, I, I, I always feel like I walk away learning something, <laughs> you know, from talking to another parent who's been on a similar path, but different journey. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and, and I think I, I just, this was just a really, I feel like I was in a good mood before this, <laughs> but I just, I just feel a lot lighter now. And, and it was just a very, it was a very positive experience. And, and I really, uh, I appreciate what you're doing f- for the parents and families out there who are uh, struggling or, or navigating the same thing. And I know that it's not always easy to to be kind of in the public view, right? Because there's lots of unpleasantness out there and people feel the need to share what they think. <laughs> uh, but it matters. You know, and it makes a difference whether whether you're aware of it or not. There's people that are probably here today because of what you're doing, and it's uh, it's a it's a it's a noble thing, I think. And and I just I appreciate it. Thank you. This has been great. I, I was telling you that I was having kind of a disability parent centric day. <laughs> so this has been great for me too, just to connect with somebody who, uh, who, who understands the language, you know, there's a language oh, yeah. that we speak. Um, and doesn't matter what your kid's diagnosis is. Um, yep. it's just good to have somebody that understands you. Absolutely. And, and same, and, and I really appreciate it and my best to your family. And, uh, you know, anytime you want to come on and talk about something, open invitation and, uh, take on topics or whatever would be helpful. Sounds good. I'd love that. Thank you. Real quick, before I let you go, I just want to say thank you for tuning in. I I really appreciate it. And I hope you enjoyed this episode and it has a positive impact on your life because that's what I'm aiming for here. As a reminder, you can visit listen.theautismdent.com. You can learn about me and anything related to the show. You can subscribe on any one of your favorite podcast listening apps so you never miss a new episode. And please take a moment and rate us on Apple Podcasts. There'll be a link in the show notes below for you just to click. It'll take you right there. It takes like 30 seconds and it makes a big difference. So it's a great way to support the show and uh, help keep the wheels turning. So have a great week and we'll talk soon.